everyone. Robert Walker here, along with Caleb Pierce, and we are Sheep Things Podcast. Our goal with this podcast is to get down to the basics with industry leaders, associations, breeders, owners, vets, suppliers, and anyone else we can find to hear their stories and firsthand experiences. Hopefully, we will ask the right questions to see what makes them successful, how they got started, and what they see for the future of the sheep industry. We hope to have something new weekly that we can share, so stay connected to our website, Facebook page, or sign up to follow us on a podcast service to get updates as they are published. Stay tuned as we try to share our learning experience with you all as we dive into the sheep industry together. You are listening to Season 1, Episode 9 of the Sheep Things Podcast. Guys, we have another outstanding guest for you today. Jane Smith, current KHSI president from Earl Park, Indiana, is our guest. My goal with this podcast was to find people to chat with that we could learn something from. And these next two episodes will not disappoint anyone. So sit back and enjoy our conversation with Jane. your handling um, how, how you did the handling and one of the things I wish I'd have bought a long time ago was a working system because I've had one a couple years now and I had a pretty decent setup otherwise but oh man I love using my handling system I mean those views will come right through there and I can sort them you know two or three ways and um, it was worth the money that's yeah. what so. people come to my farm and they're like man, you got all this stuff. You ain't got but a hundred sheep. I'm like, yeah, but I'm ready for more. You know, I didn't want to kill yeah. myself, you know, along the right. way. And, and we have a cost share pro- uh, program in Tennessee. So, uh, okay. so, you know, we get half off. You kind of need to use it every year and just keep getting more stuff, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, that's one thing I, I do recommend, you know, make sure you get yourself set up so you can handle your sheep because there's nothing worse than trying to chase sheep around the lot <laughs> Absolutely. You know, to catch it. Um, you know, you're just wasting your time and hurting yourself. I, yeah. I got a great story. This is so funny. So, so one of the first ram lambs I sold, this guy lives 20 miles from here. And, and what a trooper, this guy. He, he's, he, he's like me, he likes to talk and, uh, and he's telling me about this kid to go to church with him. And this kid's got some kind of protein issue and he can't eat meat and his, uh, and the, um, nutritionist told him he ought to try lamb. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll give you some lamb, you know, here, let's see if this kid, I mean, that'd be great, you know? So I did. And, and the kid loved the lamb and he, and his body accepted it. So this guy's okay. now this guy's wanting to raise sheep. So I just cut myself out of a deal, you know. And uh, <laughs> so he he comes to the house and he's picked him out a ram. And the lot that I had my ram lambs in at the time had no way of corralling <laughs> them up. It was pretty rodeo, right. and I was yeah. getting pretty good with a lasso, just you know roping <laughs> her feet. Okay. And uh, so, but by now these sheep are you know I probably had ten or fifteen in there, and and they're kind of getting riled up, you know. And mm-hmm. finally, right. it, it just, it was almost instantaneous. We both dived at a ram at, at separate rams and we both caught 
into a different ram and neither one of them was the one he wanted. And I said, <laughs> and my wife is laughing. She's sitting there laughing her butt off at us. Here you got two grown guys that are tackling sheep. And and these things probably weighed 100, 120 pounds at the time. And, right, and, right. Uh, and so we're both standing there and I'm, and I'm reading off a tag number and he's reading off his tag number. And I'm like, well, crap, we got the wrong one. I said, well, let's try this again. He said, oh no, I'm keeping this. And, <laughs> yeah, so we run into each other about once a year, every other year, and it's always a okay. good. Uh, I tell him I'm set up a little better now whenever he's ready yeah. to do it again. Well, I got I'm pretty good with the sheep crook, but it's hard on my shoulders anymore. Right. I I can I can do it some, but I can't just go catch them as good as I used to. So anymore, I just move them to the next lot and where I can, I, the, our lambing barn has a, oh, about a three and a half foot alley in it okay. that you can go from the front to the back in it. And, uh, and then I've got three group pins off to the side. And so I, if I'm just catching a few sheep, you know, I can sort them that way, but, um, and then they're pretty confined, but I used to catch them with a crook, but man, I can hurt myself <laughs> anymore. Yeah, out in my field, I've I've uh, organized my my pasture into lots, and all my lots have a lane down the center that every basically every gate goes to my lane, and right. uh, just like this past weekend, you know, I needed to catch the ram and pull him out of those ewes. There's probably forty ewes in the group, I guess, and. Right. It probably took me 20 minutes from the time I pulled out in the field, opened the gate, they got in the lane, they, and at the end of my lane is my working system. So once right. they're in the lane, they can't go nowhere. And uh, and right. I ran every one of them through the chute just to get because I had to catch him to take his harness off. Right. And uh, yeah. and just peeled him right off and sorted the rest of the use right back out in the field. And I'm loaded up in the yeah. trailer and gone. And, you know. Right. Three. It makes your life. Oh, so three years ago, that took me three or four hours. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I've been kind of. I agree. Yeah, I've been kind of thinking the same thing because I'm leasing most of my pasture, um, and okay. and so, you know, and I've just I've just had a few. I'm I'm starting to build, um, and I mean right. I I don't have that many, and so I I've always thought, yeah, hey, I'll just I'll just catch them and you know weigh them, and once you start getting right. a. a decent number of lambs it's like uh i wish i would have built the shoot system earlier so man you ought to look yeah the only go ahead only complication i have is that one barn it takes a lot of opening and shutting and whatever quite a ways and sometimes i can't move everybody out of the way to bring those so we've kind of set up a similar thing but it's not quite a you know not with the circle tub and all that but we still got it down to like three four feet you know and then we can you can at least catch them without killing yourself and a couple folder panels in there and you got it made yeah. so you know there's ways to make it work without spending a ton of money but it, the right equipment is still priceless. really beneficial oh yeah. yeah yeah it's priceless and having having stuff on hand so that you don't have to you know run <laughs> after it i mean i keep a pretty well-stocked medicine supply and, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Cause there's not a lot of livestock here. I do have a good vet that I'm working with now, but, um, still she'll 
she'll have stuff shipped to me, so that's nice. I mean, she just order it and direct ship it. Oh, nice. That that works out nice. That if way. you go to the uh, Shearwell ear tags, that is the most mm-hmm. aggravating part about their system is you in their system you can't um, you can't give a shot of cdt without cdt already being in their system so you have to load all of your uh, medicine in their in their program or you be out in the field giving a shot and it'll say you can't you're out (laughs) but i know it ain't i got a whole jar full of it here so so it it, um it let it makes you look at your inventory on a more regular basis Okay. Uh, so I'm, I'm okay. kind of aware what I'm low of, what I got, you know, Right. Uh, so that, that's kind of been a plus that I've not uh, been used to doing. Um, right. Okay. But Caleb, you need to look at, uh, and I don't know if I'm saying it right, but the Stegall guys out in Missouri, Moberly, I think, uh, they have a portable, you pull it around. Uh, yeah. That would be yeah. Perfect for your setup. That way you only buy one system and yep. it'll work everywhere yeah. you go. Yeah, I've looked into a couple of those where, like you said, where you can pull them around, and and that definitely seems like the way to go because you can bring them to a field and load them up that way. I mean, if you you just got to put a, a load right. chute at the end, and and you could load them right into a trailer out of the sorting system. So, yeah, that's kind of the <laughs> you know got to get some 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 paychecks first and and all that for a while before well, I, I keep yeah, I keep forgetting he's, he's just out of college so yeah he's a young yeah. guy yet though <laughs> so this year's gonna tax all of us I oh, think yeah. So. No kidding. yeah so uh, along those lines um with all this COVID stuff are you seeing um extra sales I know out here I mean I've been it's it's I've had so many people contact me um looking for lamb or looking for um breeding stock right. Um, are you seeing an extra? Well, that's pretty there? much my everyday life with the ethnic trade. Yeah. Um, I'm always short of lambs, and part of that is because a lot of them don't want to use the ewe lambs. Yeah. And so um, I have a hard time keeping enough ram lambs available. But um, I I know that there are, I've had a few calls otherwise of people wanting, you know, to have a couple lambs to put on grass so they can raise them and put them in the freezer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know some of the cattle guys and some hog guys have definitely had some people calling them. Our hugest problem is no, the processors. We don't have enough processors, yeah. Yeah. local um, slaughters to do it. I mean, we had, we lost one uh, over a year ago, I guess. He just finally got fed up. He was, he didn't own his building, and the, the guy kept raising the rent on him, mm. and he quit. And So now we're down, you know, another one, and um, not everybody wants to do lambs. I mean, yeah. they're making way more money on the cattle and the pigs butchering them than they are on the lambs. So... Um, that's been a challenge. Uh, my friend Julie, uh, Robert knows her. Um, she had a terrible time finding some spots for some market lambs to get processed. She finally found one about an hour away. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and she was really getting concerned because that she sells several of them that way to, you know, 
big part of what she does. An hour away, golly, my closest one's two hours, and that's in normal. Is it? <laughs> yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> well, she's been spoiled. I <laughs> Absolutely. <guess. laughs> yeah, I have, I have a. Of course. Now, if I want to eat lamb myself, we just exactly. Do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I have a processor that's but... like two miles from here, and then the we. So I don't know if you have a state meat inspection program out there but we we don't hear where it's all usda oh, okay. if you want to do something but um right if you want to sell it i mean i can butcher my own yeah but if i want to retail it at all which i've done a little of that through my friend's meat room mm-hmm. but then i have to take them to a locker plant have them inspected and then i can you know do yeah that, that was yeah. my my two hours is a usd that's my closest us is that the usda yeah. Yeah. plant yeah. okay yeah. yeah there's only one here that's... yeah i'd have to go further to get that too so yeah used to be able to go to lafayette I got to call him again. At one point, he told me they weren't going to do lambs anymore because they were so booked up on beef and pork that they didn't have time to do lambs. And uh, so I don't know. Well, there's a guy that just started here a couple years ago. Uh, well, I guess probably 10 years ago, <clears throat> uh, somebody started up a chicken processing deal just to do their uh-huh. own chickens. And um, I don't know what happened, but anyway, uh, four or five years later, they'd got set up to do goats and lambs and ducks and okay. <clears throat> kind of a homesteady type of stuff. For whatever reason, right. they shut down, sold out, and this guy bought them. And he's doing pigs uh-huh. um, and chicken himself that he raises. Okay. And he started doing to the outside public. And uh, so I talked to him probably two weeks ago. Um, Daniel Fagerman down in Alabama with Australian whites had made a comment that his processor is out to October or November. And I'm like, Oh man, I need to check on mine. Cause I've never even, I didn't even think about it, you know? And my guy says the problem is the USDA is not sending the inspectors out. Um, and he, he, now he can only do one day a week. Okay. And, uh, so, and he's booked to August. So, um, yeah. and he's just a small, he, he, do, he doesn't have the facilities to do cattle. So he's, he's mostly okay. pig, sheep, goats, chicken, right. turkey, all yeah. that good stuff. Well, I have guys all the time wanting me to find them cattle. And I say, you know, you're on your, I'm not doing that. Cause I'm not set up for it. I'm not going to fight that. Right. So yeah. they don't, and they don't fit in my corral I got now. So. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier that you sell most of your lamb or at least your ram lambs to the ethnic market. Um, is that based Mm -hmm. out of Indianapolis or based out of Chicago or both or, um, both I've had people from Fort Wayne, mm -hmm. Chicago, Champaign, Decatur, Indianapolis. Um, I have a pretty big circle uh they come from quite a few different places yeah but, um, so how did you market to those guys over time um some years it's more one area than another um you just never know so yeah. did those guys find you or did you find them they it's all been word of mouth over the gotcha. years we've been working with the ethnic trade for probably 30 32 years something like that probably and it it constantly changes but um and it is an aggravating business at times let me tell you <laughs> like today i had a guy who was supposed to come and yeah it's 
it's always somebody's two hours late, you know, right. <laughs> three hours late or whatever. So, but yeah, you know, it's, it is interesting though. And are, are most of them doing on-farm slaughter or do you have them take the live animal? Yeah, most of, most of them, most of them do on-farm slaughter. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so do you have a special area that you have set up that you had to build or, um, like constant we're, facilities we're or... pretty streamlined it's, it's i sell you the lamb and um it's your your deal and um then we take care of what they don't want we have a way to compost it and um yeah we go from there so do you do you uh, have a shed fortunately or... we're able to do that here but i i'll keep waiting for the regulations to change right. and then you know that and plus the fact now I'm getting older, it's not as quite as easy as it used to be. Right. Do you have a shed or something that they go to? It's uh, in out of the weather or? Uh, yeah. I mean, and we don't do near so many in the winter. Time. Right. I mean, that's a big detriment there. And that's why I said a lot of my fall lands, they go east. We go through a broker and they go east a lot of times. And, and usually the, nice thing about fall lambs is they're usually worth more and so that's been another big incentive for the fall lambs mm. because you know we're getting up, been getting two to two and a quarter a lot of times out of them and um, so it's usually a better market than it is in, you know in the spring or summertime yeah the worst thing for me in the spring is time in the market golly i mean if you miss it a week yeah you might as well not even try, yeah. you know, it's so tough. Right. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And then you just never know when, it, when that bottom's going to fall out of it. So, I mean, that's like right now, you don't want to have heavy lands for sale. No. Because they're, you know, they're as cheap as I've seen them in quite a long time. So light lands are still pretty good money, but um, heavy lands, not so much. So. Well, um, see fast forward let's talk about the show career because me and caleb don't show (laughs) and um how well i think people think i'm way more a show jock than i ever really been well you done fessed up you married a a judge so (laughs) well uh, yeah i understand that and he used to trim a lot of sheep (laughs) he was he's a very good fitter on the wool sheep Uh, because i in uh, my county um the the sheep has basically died. I mean, I was probably the first guy with sheep in years. And our county right. fair, uh, <laughs> probably two years ago, me and Kim, we're going to go to the sheep show. And we get over there, and we're the only ones in the barn. And there's a judge and a couple people behind the little stand there. And they're like, um, yeah, are y'all here for the sheep show? And we're like, yeah, we're early. Don't mind us. He goes, oh, no, there wasn't but one sheep. It's already over with. We're like, Oh my gosh. Well, we're not quite that yeah, bad. So, but, uh, <laughs> so, but for, no, I mean, in Indiana, um, 4-H and 4-H showing is a big deal. Um, well, my county, of course, my, show- my county agent's trying to get it going again and he sends people okay. to me and I'm like, but I don't know nothing. You know, you're sending everybody. <laughs> well, it really isn't terribly hard, and there's some great YouTube videos out there <laughs> if you want to watch them. Uh, my granddaughter, she's been watching because it's her first year 4-H, so she's been watching some of them. And uh, but um, 
the showing. I mean, biggest part of it is selection and kind of knowing what you they got to be structurally correct. They've got to have some style to them. Um, you've got to work with them a little. I'm, I'm negligent usually. I, I know I I preach you got to work with them. That's hard to do sometimes, but um, uh, and you just just have to put yourself out there and do it if you want to. Um, but there is a knack to picking sheep. I mean, uh, there's a look to a, a good show sheep. Um, but we we always emphasize that they've got to be productive, structurally correct, mm-hmm. and still have some pizzazz. So that's kind of what we go for. And um, we are by far not the showmen that a lot of people are. Um, we show sometimes at the state fair and otherwise it's always a sale involved with it. So, um, and then of course we've been at Louisville a couple of times and, yeah. um, fortunate enough to have champion you there in 2013. And then in 2018, um, Mike and Leslie Nelsh had a champion. You was one of our fall you lambs. So, um, we've had some success, I will admit. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. That's why so, you. That's why you can't play the dumb card on us because we know better. I'm not playing the dumb <laughs> card. I mean, you you got to feed them. You got to get their feet trimmed. You got to work with them. Yeah. Uh, you know. Is is you, a you got to have a good sheep. is a uh, on the nutrition <laughs> side. Uh, is it a more of a complete ration versus a heavy hay ration to keep the gut down or? Uh, is yeah, there... I mean, you don't want to just have them on full feet of hay, probably, if you're on your show sheep. Yeah. I mean, you know, they can they can have quite a bit of hay a lot of times during the year, but, you know, that last couple of weeks there, you might want to limit their hay as opposed to giving them everything they want. Because um, they will get a little gutty looking sometimes. Yeah, I bought, but... I bought a ram one time and and it was, it was my first year in sheep and, and I, you know, I, I expected this ram to, you know, be 200, 220 pounds, you know, at a year old. And, and, mm-hmm. and I bought it off Mark and I called Mark and I'm like, man, how do you guys get these rams so big? And I said, mine looks pregnant. And he goes, you're feeding it too much. hay." And I'm like, well, he's out in the field. I, I didn't know I was supposed to. And, uh, but he did weigh 200 pounds and he, well, 198, I guess yeah. at a year old, okay. but he looked pregnant. Yeah. He looked like he was going to have triplets, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah. that don't work with, uh, with, with show I'm sure. So is it a, is there a yeah, fiber I mean, con- you're, you're not gonna, the ones you're going to show, you're not going <laughs> right. to just turn them out on grass and forget That's about right. them. I mean, or, you know, because, you know, yes, they might be in, pretty good shape and i don't like to get them as fat as some people do i still i still want them to be pretty much breeding condition maybe plus a little i don't want them waddling right fat because you, <laughs> you just hurt yourself in the for the rest of the time oh, absolutely. you don't yeah so just like to have them just there right. yeah. <laughs> so so on the is there a is there a certain fiber content to that you're looking for to that has enough fiber in them has enough fiber in it to supplement a little bit of hay 
Well, that's where we, we use a lot of okay, oats gotcha. in our rations, okay. and that's where we get a lot of our fiber right there. And that's where we get the growth without the fat part of it is with the oats part of being so heavy on the fibrous um, grain as opposed to just the corn. Right, because I play around with well, – I have horses, and, and try. this is my right. first – probably second year trying to get a horse in shape uh for a possible fertility type setup uh-huh. and and uh playing a lot with the diet and the rations and you know it's right. it's I, I like that i i like the nutrition ration building right. uh type stuff so it's you know right. I've, I've read and talked to different sheep people and and their thoughts and i tried to apply that to horses a little bit and back and forth you know right and, and so, yeah, I, I dig all that. That's pretty cool stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, so a question, um, cause you've, you've probably been to a lot of shows and seen a lot of people showing sheep and some that are doing a good mm-hmm. job and, and some that, that they could <laughs> probably learn some things about showing, um, you know, for somebody like me who, I mean, the most I've shown my sheep is I take my customer out to my pen and look, and I say, look, here's my sheep. I'm, I'm showing you my sheep. Yeah. Um, but um, <laughs> for somebody like me, like what are some of the, the biggest hindrances to success um, that you've seen with somebody showing sheep? So they show up and you're like, man, they, they really need to fix this if they're going to keep showing sheep. So, I mean, you want to have them good in condition, but they don't have to be fat. I mean, they just need to be in nice condition. I like to see the feet trimmed so they aren't, you know yeah. out. depending on your climate whether you need to do that or not though i mean if they're rocky ground they wear them off pretty good yeah but if you're mostly confinement you know you're gonna get some i trim mine at least once a year mm-hmm. um more if i need to but now in the wool sheep i used to do them three times a year Whoa. so, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so that, there's a big plus there um keep the head up um Put the feet on four corners. Um, don't just hug it to death. Uh, you want to be able to work with it enough that you can stand away from it a little bit and hold the head up, present it to the, so it, you know. Yeah. So it would look like when you look out in the pasture and you know how they just stand there sometimes. Yeah. That's the way you want it to look in the ring. Um, so it's, and you want to make sure you pick one that, structurally can do that Uh i mean you know if you've got one that's flat-footed that's not going to (laughs) help you any um of course that would be something that i would probably have shipped them for anyway i don't like flat pasterns on my sheep at all i like them up on their toes pretty good Mm -hmm. um they need to be pretty square when they walk away from you you don't want them to be cow hocked where the back legs are you know meeting sort of in the back um Front legs don't need to both come out of the same hole up in the front. They're too narrow then. Um, so, and then, I mean, katahdins are so easy because they're so, you know, you wash them and you comb them. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're a piece of cake compared to getting a wool sheep ready. So, so uh, um, another thing, uh, kind of a, you know, back to my horse thing. I, I like right. the shoulder placement. I, I want my shoulder tied in. You, right. you can't yeah. stand one up if it don't tie, right. if it's neck and shoulder don't tie in good. Right. Oh, definitely. You don't want the shoulder too straight. Yeah. You know. uh, so yeah, it's got to lay in there. So on why, and, and this is cause I don't know. It's probably, everybody knows it, but me, I guess, 
Well, Caleb, he probably don't know it either. So, <laughs> so the, you know, I go to these shows and I see them, you know, they stand them up on a board or they pile up the shaving. So that, I mean, the judge knows that too. I mean, if I see it, I mean, right. everybody knows it. So why do it? What, what's. Well, I mean, some of it's just habit. Okay. Um, the sheep will look its best if the front ends up just a little bit. Yeah. So, and then it's, you just, like when you're walking around the ring, you don't want to set your sheep up in a hole because then it looks mm-hmm. littler than everybody else. You know, like if you're walking around the arena and there's a place where it's just lower you don't want you you want to get your sheep up on the front feet up on the higher end it's just a more attractive shot and you you want to catch the judge's eye so it's just like with the horse you want the horse you know to be on and you know head up and i would make a terrible judge because that that would tick me off so bad i'm like come on man get off that (laughs) <laughs> well now my husband is pretty he gets pretty irritated some of these kids that jack these weathers around and grab them by the neck and stretch them oh up yeah yeah have their feet off the ground and he'll tell them to put them back down yeah i've seen <laughs> uh, we we sponsor the uh the tennessee youth deal here it's at Coolville where we had the expo last year and man i see yeah. some of these little kids that don't look like they weigh 70 80 90 pounds pick a daggum right. sheep up off the front end i'm like golly yeah, it was funny. Well, I went, you know, with the weathers, they're wanting to brace them so that you get the mus- muscle right. expression. Uh-huh. That's what they're trying to do. You can carry, you can go too far with right. it. But in your breeding stock, you don't, you don't need to be jacking them around. That's not, that's not what you're looking for per se. I mean, you can, you can um, let them push on you a little bit. I mean, you can do that. I mean, so they express that muscle some but that's not quite the same goal in the breeding stock end of it it is in the market lamb deal so, you don't want to yeah. get stuck with that market thing lambs, the rest of your life pushing on aggressive. you <laughs> i i i like them to i don't want them to be fighting me all the time you know that's you can't present them well if they're fighting you and that's why you know we always say work with your sheep okay. so it's like my grandkids, you know, they've been walked, my grandson, he's been walking his every day now for about two weeks. And she's, of course, that's on a halter so far. And um, he's doing pretty good with her. So, but you got to spend some time. Now we'll start, um, as we're handling her, we'll start picking up her feet so you can place the feet. You know, you got to get them used to that the first time they're going to fight you, mm-hmm. you know, so. Yeah, I see that too. I go to a show and I see somebody either being drug or dragging their sheep. And I'm like, what'd you catch this thing this weekend or something? You, you yeah, do the sometimes we do, you know, okay. Sales of what? Five days from now, I guess we've got to load them and take to the vet. Okay. Now we'll start working with them, you know, <laughs> and that happens. Oh, absolutely. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Cause oh, okay. We sold that one that we were going to take. So now we got to substitute somebody in here. So, <laughs> or one of them know. got sick or yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just basic things. You know, the goal is always to make the sheep look the best to the judge that you can. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's 
that's what you do. Yeah. So what are some of the benefits that you've seen from like a business standpoint um, to showing sheep? I mean, obviously it gets your name out there a little bit more and, and it's, right. you know, kind of nice to have that, you know, you know the, the blue ribbons to, to advertise every once in a while, but um, yeah. you know, practically like what kind of benefits do you see? I mean, I mean, there's, there's lots, I mean, you have networking and, and all that sort of thing, but what are some of your favorite parts about showing? Oh, just the camaraderie is the best part about showing. You go spend a couple of days with your friends that you maybe only see once a year or whatever. Yeah. Uh, that's the best part about showing. Um, that's like going to Louisville. I mean, it's the one time a year, you know, hopefully we get to see friends we have from all over the country mm-hmm. and, and we don't get to see them otherwise. Um, it's like missing Sedalia this year is going to be huge. You know, it's, uh, first time I won't have, well, I missed in 1995 and otherwise I've been there for 39 years, wow. you know, so, um, but not this year. So, and I mean, yes, the, the showing, if you, if you do well, um, usually gets a few more calls, you know, to sell some higher dollar sheep. Um, so it's good exposure. Uh, like I said, the friends are the best part, you know, you camaraderie, learn, you learn something all the time. Love it when we sit down at Sedalia, you know, eight, 10 of us, you're just talking and somebody's got a new thing they figured out the best way to do. And it's great time, you know, so, um, yeah. Yeah. I don't show and I love going to Sedalia um and and yeah. to louisville uh just to the sheep people are are very cooperative um it's right. not like They're pretty friendly for the most yeah, part my yeah. first my first trip to louisville was the first year of the katahdin show and uh, mm-hmm. and kenneth jesse had me uh help him you know show his right. sheep and i'm like oh, oh of course he's pushing me oh you got to start showing i'm like man i i am so competitive I would be so mad and, and, and I, you know, I don't like losing checkers in, you know, I'm that, I'm that guy. So, uh, I would go broke trying to buy every, you know, everybody's. Okay. Just to be. Well, you have to, you have to go with the, the thought that, I mean, <laughs> that every judge has their own opinion. Yeah. Kenneth said, look, he said, just feed them, make them fat and show up. He said, don't worry about it. Just have fun. (laughs) But you don't understand. I I have fun winning. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of the same personality and uh, I I can imagine that would probably drive, drive me to be buying some high dollar sheep that I probably didn't need in my system too. So (laughs) (laughs) I'd be placing a lot well, the secret is to find the the good ones that don't cost you a fortune. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. So along those lines, you know, when you're selecting your show sheep, I mean, you know, you have way more sheep than you'll ever show. Um, than, than right. Tons of sheep oh that, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So when you're selecting rams, um, mm-hmm. kind of what's maybe your order of priority, and 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 when you go to pick those show sheep, do you make that an active part of your breeding program or is it more that you'll go out to, you know, your, your couple hundred lambs that you have out there and you'll be like, okay, out of these ones that I've bred for, for these other traits, this one looks nice and looks like it'd be good to show. Or is it more that you're breeding them all to where, you know, maybe you have a higher percentage that are able to be shown. That's kind of a combination. Um, yeah. Because 
we're picking the Rams for their structure, mm-hmm. their production, gainability, with still having a little flash to them. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've used some Rams that aren't always flashy. There's always pieces that you need, and so you're always looking for the piece that maybe you need to use on the daughters of this Ram. I mean, that's one of the beauties of the thing with having a large number of sheep is you can run several different lines. You know, you can have several different Rams that you're using, and you can cross those different things. But it all comes down to we're only going to keep the best of them. And there's going to be, there's probably going to be at least a third of the lamb crop that's going to get eaten no matter what. Yeah. You know, even on the ewe lambs. And then the ram lambs, it's going to be about 90% of them are going to get eaten. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then the ram lambs, it's a, it's a daily thing. We tell them every day, look good because somebody needs a lamb, you, you know. <laughs> Everybody's on the block if you're not <laughs> performing, if you're not growing, if you're not, if you, if there's some fault that arises, that they'll go into the eating pool. And um, so we're pretty critical, rams especially, yeah. but the ewes too. I mean, for what we're going to keep, they got to be towards the top end of all those different traits. And so, um, and then you just keep building on that. How often do you weigh your lambs? Uh, from the time they're born till the time you make that decision as far as checking their growth or um, kind of well they'll all get they'll all get weighed at weaning and then I mean you know we're looking at lambs that are 45 to 80 pounds probably at that point um, just depending and ram lambs they're going to get we're going to start picking those as soon as I get the weaning weights adjusted and we'll pick out the the best ones weight wise and then we'll and structure wise and we'll just keep weeding them down mm-hmm. so do you look at your data first and then go pick or do you look at them first and then go look at the data yeah. well it's kind of hard. That's a hard. That's a hard it, it, deal. It, it's a combination yeah. because um, we'll look. You know, we'll we'll look at all the ones with the best data, and then, but some of those will just fall out because we had one this spring, growing fool, so flat on his pastures, no way I'm ever going to keep him and use him. You know, mm-hmm. it's, um, so you know he went. He brought two dollars and some cents a pound. You know, he was like three months old. So, you know, <laughs> out the door you go. So, that is the hard part because with all the demand we have, especially on the ram side, we have to pick do that picking early. And some there may be some rams that you know would come on later on that you know maybe get eaten, but in our system, that's that's what they've got to do. Yeah, I tend to look at my data first so that I don't Mm -hmm. get emotional and go, oh, man, he is so pretty, and then go look. Oh, he gained, you know, 0.35, you know, average daily gain or something, and and I'm like, yeah, but he's pretty, you know. 
So. Yeah, well, he'll fall out, though. Even if you decide that, he'll fall out because he won't keep up with right, that stuff. Right, right. So, but if I if so. I cull him with with my EID and my uh, right. arm tag thing, I can go through and cull and, and put them into uh, drafting groups from my computer. Right. So when I go out in the field, I don't look at each one of them individually. I just – he's already culled no matter what he looks like. And then right. when I get them sorted out into my keepers and my culls, then I can look at them and go, oh, well, he's got a crooked leg, you know, or whatever. Right, yeah. right, right. Because yeah. I don't want to be emotional, you know. I want right. to be the – I understand. Yeah, that. I want to be the yeah. tin man or whatever. Ain't the tin <laughs> man the one with no heart? Or is that Scarecrow? Yeah. Tin man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I've only watched it once when I was a kid. So. The, the scarecrow's without a brain. Well, I've been the scarecrow a lot, so. <laughs> oh, we probably all have. Uh, <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. So when you're selecting your rams, kind of what's your, uh, as far as like, um, number of lambs born, what's kind of your your target? Because I know some people, you know, will shoot for triplets. Um, or, or you know, yeah. more consistent twins. triplets. Okay, so you're pretty consistent. Twins, twins. is my target. Yeah, I'm not a huge triplet fan. I have used that can raise them. Uh -huh. I graft lambs if I need to. I hate bottle lambs. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's funny. So I was twins are my goal. Yeah, I was. I was. So I had some use that I ended up with some bottle lambs this year because they had half udders and I made the mistake of breeding them. And uh, anyways, so I have these bottle lambs and people come out, I tell them, I'm like, you know, when you're about five years old, I think bottle lambs are your dream. And then when, when right. you get older, yeah. they chase you down in your nightmares. And uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I have some good bottle lamb stories. I mean, back when we were raising those, um, lambing those short-term ewes, yeah. we had a lot of triplets. Yeah. And I had pens of bottle lambs. Mm -hmm. But they were, I had enough of them. It was a business, yeah. you know, I mean, it was, they were fed every four hours. They had their own building. They had best hay in front of them. They, and I did a great job with them. Most of the time now I'm looking at a couple bottle lambs and they're just a big annoyance. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I guess my patience has gotten less as I've gotten older. Yeah, and and when you were feeding those those lambs, and you had all you know a whole bunch of them, were you using a bucket to feed them, or were you hand feeding them? At that time, I had a bucket that I just moved from pen to pen. I would dump in enough. I had eight lambs in a pen, and there, that bucket had eight nipples on it. This is an old. This is an old timer. This is like a fifty-year-old bucket, you know. Uh -huh. And you just it had a stand, and you put the there was a stand you popped the bucket on it and the lambs nursed and you took it out and you went to the next pen and it was so it was a <laughs> limited feeding um, yeah i most of the time i'm grafting enough of them off that i haven't put them on a bucket i yeah. have a milk machine i keep saying i'm going to try and probably this fall if i need it i'll do it but i didn't have anywhere this winter to put it where it wouldn't freeze. Oh, and yeah. so I didn't try it this winter. <laughs> so we'll see. Um, but yeah, bottle lambs are a necessary evil, I guess. So, 
Yeah, I was talking to another breeder and we were like, yeah, it seems like, I mean, you can you can work for years to try to cull and cull so you don't get bottle lambs. Oh, yeah. You always have one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, there, things happen. Yep. I mean, that's like I had a, a fall you lamb this spring that... I don't know what happened, but about lambs are about three weeks old, and she was just dead in the pen. You know, huh. I, yeah. What do you do? I mean, it's um, you know, you got to. Now they were fortunately they were eating enough that I never had to put those on the bottle. Nice. But um, <laughs> and I do wean my bottle lambs at about a month of age. I don't feed them very long. Yeah. So. Yeah. But I start them on soybean meal and. Um, good hay and then i switch them over to the creek feed and um they have their own little spot so um i always do the best with them in january it seems like the one if in it by april i'm really tired of them so. <laughs> yeah well, i had a um a mare uh die right after foaling uh two years ago uh-huh. and let me tell you bottle fed coat wearing you out for months Oh, uh, I bet. And yeah. and I was buying uh, two five gallon buckets of of milk replacer a week. Oh wow! And, uh, right. Oh man, uh, tough. That wasn't cheap. No, was no, no, no. But you know, I, you have a choice. You either, you know, you you got to mm-hmm. try to find a nurse mare, which there right. wasn't any. We kind of looked around, and you know, and right. you got to do something. You know. Uh, well, yeah, you got way too much invested to just let it yeah. go. So yeah, gotta do it. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. So you've been uh you've been with Katahdin's twenty years, fifteen years? Yeah, about fifteen, I guess. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh how long how many years um have you been involved in the association part, like uh being a board member? Did you come on the board right before I did? Was that your first yeah, time I, around with that? This is my second. Well, this is the year five for me. I was on three years and then reelected, and this is year five, so I have one more year. Okay, so you're you're ahead a year ahead of me. So we basically yeah. have the mm-hmm. same experiences. And uh, what do you think? I mean, uh, would you do it again? Um, and uh, what have you gained? What have you learned? Uh, Oh, I've learned a lot. It's more challenging than I expected, though we've had just some issues happen, I think, you know, that don't happen all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been very interesting, you know, meeting everybody. Um, I've been involved in sales for and stuff for years, so, you know, that's kind of my niche, I guess. Um I've helped with a lot of national shows and sales in the Columbias and mm-hmm. actually was chairman of one of those. And so that's kind of been my fit in, you know, on the board, one of my stronger things, I guess. Um, but um, I'd encourage people to do it. I mean, it is a commitment. There's no question about that. You know, it's, it's not going to just, you can't just, phone it in once in a while you've got to be committed to doing what needs to be done so um yeah i had a guy uh he he's 85 now and uh whenever i uh first got interested in sheep um 
you know, I knew this guy uh, had raised sheep as a kid. And, uh, mm-hmm. and my wife, when I mentioned sheep, reminded me of those Angora goats, me having to shear them. Right. And uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm checking with him. He's, oh, sheep ain't that bad. You know, they're kind of cool. And I'm thinking about getting some too. And then probably five or six months goes by, the Dorper have their first deal here in Kuhl. And and he goes, hey, there's mm-hmm. a sheep you don't have to shear. So we go look at them and stuff. And and uh, so fast forward, probably, uh, man, I'm thinking it was probably in December. There was a period where we were having like a committee meeting every night and then a board meeting. And then, you know, right. we're trying to finish up the end of the year. And then I called him one day and and, uh, and I said, man, I come down there and punch you in the nose. Because I've, I've had like three or four conference calls this week and uh, phone calls all during the day. I said, I probably got 20 or 30 hours tied up in, in just sheep stuff this week, you know. Right. But but I would do it again in a heartbeat, too, because you you learn so much more that's involved that you had no idea, you right. know. And, and, yeah. and at the same time, you hope you're making decisions that are for the betterment of the association. And right, uh, that make right. a long-term yeah, lasting to, deal. Yeah. Yeah. Our goal is to promote the the breed and to make it better. I mean, that's, that's what we're trying to do. So, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, the future is pretty bright for the Katahdins. I mean, I think they just really fit the bill of what so many people need where you don't have to shear them and where they are, pretty self-sufficient in most ways. I mean, you still have to be a good caretaker, but um, it's not quite as intense as if you've got wool to deal with and crotch and use out. And, you know, I think part of the secret then is, you know, to make sure you're careful in what you buy and buy something that'll fit into your system and make sure you don't get any foot rot in your sheep and mm-hmm. you know things like that that are the things that drive people out of the business so yeah so just kind of going way back to the start of the podcast um when you switched to adding katahdins into your system uh, mm-hmm. from the columbias is that was it the hair coat that primarily uh, drove you to add that and have you seen that um you know that revenue source you know with the wool i mean a lot of that revenue has gone away over the years but um right. was it the f- yes the fact yeah. the fact that they shed was a big a huge part of it and then i tried them out and you know they performed well they produced enough lambs they fit our market mm-hmm. um you know it was kind of all forward at that point because they they fit into what we were doing they'd fall lamb um you know so yeah they they fit the bill for what we wanted to do and um i thought i would really miss my wool sheep but i don't miss them too much at this point you know it's um these are easier to take care of and um so yeah i would have been it would have been really tough to just get out of the business period, but as long <laughs> I had another breed to go to and I had a lot of them. So, you know, it was, um, it was a transition, but you know, it, it's been a good thing for us. Yeah. So I wish we'd have got into them 10 years before, oh. but you know, we didn't. So that's the way it is. Yeah. And so as far as your revenue stream, cause 
you know, I, I talked to some producers and, you know, there's out here in Idaho, there's still some producers that have, you know, thousands and thousands of views. Um, right. And so for them, you know, when the wool market is decent, I mean, that that's a, a nice check in the fall. Um, sure. Have you seen most of your, you know, income replaced just, you know, in lamb? Are they producing about the same as your Columbia's or better in the lamb side? Oh, they're producing more, more lambs than my Columbia's were. Yeah more lambs per time so the lamb easily makes up for the wool and and then if you have to hire the shearer (laughs) your husband doesn't shear the sheep by the time you hire the shearer you aren't going to make any money on the wool not in this area anyway yeah um because shears are so hard to find that they're pretty expensive so yeah that makes a lot of sense so it's a the extra lamb easily takes care of the wool that we would have had mm-hmm. so yeah so how do you see katahdin's i mean you, you said that you think yeah they have a bright future in the sheep industry um how do you see you know them continuing to change the industry and what do you think the industry will look like in the future as a whole well i, I think they'll keep making inroads into the flocks around the country i i know some buyers don't care for them I mean, we still have to, you know, keep producing a good quality product. Mm-hmm. We have to try to keep them from getting too fat. Um, I, I think the bigger framed Katahdin is better than the little small one, in my opinion. But, um, you know, you get more pounds of meat there. Um, but I think Katahdins will keep making inroads into the sheep industry. I don't think there's any question about that. And I, I think the lamb is is still going to be a good marketable item for many years um we have a lot more people that desire to eat it at this point mm-hmm. and um we just got to keep finding good ways to market it I mean, we probably need more processors available i guess i've i've toyed with that thought before and then i tell myself nope <laughs> i'm not getting into that deal <laughs> so not at my age anyway, yeah well that's so. yeah i've had that conversation with a couple of guys they're like you know what about this what about that and i'm like 20 right. if i knew you know if i was 20 years younger i would be all over it right right and and somebody's building a, a usda processing plant um probably an hour from here and of course they're they're okay. going to be geared for cattle but uh sure. their thing is is they're going to you know there's there hasn't been a new uh from a ground up uh processing right. deal and th- this guy can only handle about 10 cows a day and uh um, okay. but still that's you know that's that's making a living for yeah. that guy yeah and um sure yeah but there's not been a new facility modern you know maybe efficient right. Uh, in years so i'm curious to see how his setup is and and what changes right. have, are made over the the older ones you know but uh right oh yeah, yeah. If I, you know if i was 20 years younger i would be all over it. yeah yeah i think that i think there's money could be made i really do yeah yeah there's definitely seems to be a shortage of of processing i mean i you know talk to people and then it's you know it it makes it difficult for them to market their lamb sometimes because, you know, they have buyers that would, yeah. would buy the lamb, but if you can only sell, you know, live animals. Yeah. I mean, if you can only get 10 processed, that doesn't help you sell 25. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. So, or so. if you got to drive, you know, two hours one way, you know, yeah. I mean, right. you got more in, in time and effort and fuel and everything than you do in the, the product, sure. you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it does make a difference. And I mean, the, you know, the cost of getting the lamb done and the travel, it, it's just, um, it adds up. So, yeah. Yeah. Our, our processor here, they charge, the USDA, it's like 150 a head or 155 a head for processing, Probably. which uh, it, it, I don't know what it's like out there, but I mean, it was just 100 a few years ago. And I mean, right. Well, I haven't had one done at a processor lately yeah. for a good year, but I know they were 100 the last time I had one done. Yeah, my yeah. USDA and, uh, processor, he's, he's at 100. And, uh, okay. Um, we negotiated a little bit on uh, on the ground. He was charging me more for ground than than I was used to, and uh, I wasn't okay. used to paying for ground. You know, that's just part of the deal. But right. uh, this guy right. had a grind fee. Uh, but anyway, we okay. Huh. Well, he had to handle it different. Had to package. That's it right. Different, so yeah. 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 yeah ours well, is just the opposite. If if uh, if anything's bone out, um, then it's an extra twenty bucks. But if you if you just have a okay. ground, that's not no extra charge. <laughs> That'd be the easy one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That's why I like being able to do my own because yeah. I, I <laughs> cut it different. You know, I trim it different than, you know, most of the processors do. And uh, I, I make a snack stick and you have to trim the fat on those pretty hard. And uh, so I, I do my own that on way. your snack yeah. sticks. Are they, do you use gr- uh, ground for that? Okay. Yeah. yeah That's we, the kind I like. I take, it looks like a slim yeah, lamb trim and grind it. Usually grind it once then add the seasonings and probably grind it one more time for sure. And maybe two depending. And, um, the big secret is just not have much fat in it. And, and then we put them through the smokehouse and, um, they're mighty fine. <laughs> do, you, do you put them in a casing or just, uh, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We put them in a, a cellulose type casing and then run them through the smokehouse and do about 25 pounds at a time. So, yeah. And I, I think the really cool thing about processing your own, and, and I've talked to people that, you know, they go to their processor and, and look at the lambs when they're on the right. rails is that you, you kind of see really quick, you know, what, what right. level of finishing you need and you get, you know, if you're feeling those right. lambs and then processing, you go, Oh, this is what that feels like. Um, but if you're right. not doing them yourself, yeah. it, it's, it becomes harder to figure out what a good finish. Right. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, there, that is definitely an advantage. Um, you know, if you can see them at your processor or you can see them when you do your own, um, yeah, it really helps you make some decisions otherwise. So, Yeah. So kind of getting into some, some advice for new producers. Um, you know, there's a lot of people mm-hmm. getting into sheep, especially right now with all, right. all this stuff going on. Some people are like, I want to have something out in the backyard. Um, right. what, <laughs> what's some advice for, for new producers that you have, um, you know, some of the biggest success you've experienced with sheep or, or may, and, and maybe how you could replicate that. Um, you know, things that the, you know, tips and tricks that you'd be like, well, this is, you know, somebody new getting into it might not know, might not read in a book, um, but something that's really right. going to help them out. Well, the best thing you can do is buy it from somebody that will talk to you about 
you know, you can call them up and say, I have a question. Um, you, I guess the most frustrating part is when people call you up and ask the question and then they don't follow the advice. That's <laughs> the hardest part. Those guys call, yeah. they call you too. <laughs> <laughs> I get all kind, I get a lot of calls. Yeah. Um, and then they'll stand there and argue that that's not the right answer. Yeah. So. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite is the people that just wear you out with messages and text, and then never buy yeah. nothing from you. And then, yeah. and then they're, yeah. you're you're their doctor whenever they got problems. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, that happens too. Yeah. Um, Get the ones every once in a while. I guess like, my. <laughs> they what? I would encourage people to to start with not the most expensive you i wouldn't advise people to go buy three thousand dollar use as their start i would advise them to go buy some commercial use from somebody that's done it a while and uh, start with that and see how they like it and kind of see what it is and then once they get their feet wet then they if they want to get into the showing sheep or the registered business then we'll help set you up and we'll give you the advice if you want it and um but you got to start somewhere and um i always think it's easier to start with some nice commercial use to start with than um go from there or some nice registered use but not the most expensive yeah. ones in the world because you're gonna have heartbreak if you lose one and it's um until you learn that lesson too it's um yeah it's pretty i I worked my lambs probably two weekends ago and my dad was up and i I give him my six oldest sheep uh last Mm -hmm. year year before last something like that anyway uh so he's had his first lamb crop they're probably a month older than mine and uh okay but my lambs are a little better than his you know and he's Mm -hmm. helping me work my lambs and he's like man man, I think you cheated me. And I'm like, no, I didn't. I wasn't going to give you my good ones, you know? Well, that is, you know, a story people will come and, you know, they want to buy, buy some sheep and they, and, you know, they look in the pen and, you know, well, I want that one. Well, that one's not, you can't afford that. I want the the best one you've got. And I said, well, if, well, I say, well, if we sell you the best ones we have, we won't have any more to sell you later. So, you know, you're going to get really good sheep anyway, but you're not going to get my top 10 or 20 or, you know, whatever. That's just, I got to have those to put back on the floor. Well, and that, that was a great uh, lesson for him. I'm like, look, all these sheep, all these ewes that I have came from those sheep that you've got you know yeah. so it's just mm-hmm. a genetic yeah. improvement over you know four or five years so uh right. I, I wasn't gonna give you the, you're not gonna get the best ones i mean i like you but come on you're not gonna start with the best <laughs> I, ones no well, I, that's what i told him i said to be honest i thought they'd all die so <laughs> i thought you'd kill them so you're not gonna kill any good ones <laughs> Uh, well that would be my advice to the new people (laughs) and not to get too many at one time one guy we worked with he's a classic example he wanted you know he had started with 20 or 30 and and he got along fine there and then he decided he was going to go to 200 well then he didn't stick with the program and all of a sudden you know i had this wreck on his oh yeah you know and um yeah you you gotta take it 
slow, but you got to keep doing all the steps. So yeah. you can't just all of a sudden forget about them. Yeah. It's so nice to learn when you have, when you have fewer and, and maybe they're not quite worth, you know, quite as much. And um, you can, yeah, I mean, you know, when you, when you have to bury one, that's a $1,500 one, that's not too much. Fun, yeah. So <laughs> no matter. And it happens any, it can happen yeah, to absolutely. anybody anytime. I mean, I'm not saying that because we all yeah. have tragedies happen, you know, I mean, and no matter, and no matter what they say, they don't taste as good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I lost a thousand dollar ram one time to a border collie and and i processed it myself and uh and yeah. and i thought it was kind of comical I, I had a, a ram and a u at the same time i did so um uh i wanted to know if i could tell the difference in the ram meat and the ewe right. meat. so so i put the ram's name on all the packages of meat uh-huh <laughs> Uh-huh. And, okay. uh huh. kind of wig people out, you know. And I'm like, what? You know? <laughs> yeah, I I did that early on too, because you know, back when I just had a few, I was you know just early on, um, you know, still just kind of experimenting with sheep and stuff. You know, I'd have I'd I'd have some of my my lambs would be named, and you know, they go to the butcher, and and I was you know trying to figure out, you know, I'd, I'd look at okay, this one has a terrible hair coat. This one you know has a nice hair coat. Is there going to be any difference? And you know, when you just have a couple, right. you're just experimenting. And so I'd be like, oh, was that, you know, we'd be at the dinner table and I'd be like, oh, I think this one was so-and-so. How do you guys think he tastes? And everybody's like, Caleb, come on, not right now. Quit, we don't want to think about it. Yeah, and I was like, what? I mean, it's, you know, I think I think when you're around it every day, you just kind of, you know, that's just the... Yeah, you the get used to it, yeah. You just get used to it. And But yeah, when, yeah. when you're not used to it, it's like, Ooh, don't don't tell me about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, understand. Yeah. Well, we've uh, we've pretty much, I think we've touched everything we can touch. Um, and uh, <laughs> I think we've done pretty. We, good, we've yeah. done great. This has been a lot of fun, and uh, yeah. and this is you know this is another thing I tell people about uh, running for the board or being involved uh, with KHSI is, right. you know. I would have never met Jane probably without being on the board. Um, That's true. You know, John Dyer, Henry, you know, I would have, I would have never met Henry and Becky probably. And, uh, and I enjoy uh, talking to those guys as much as anything, you know? Oh, sure. And, uh, I mean, like I said earlier, that's, you know, the the selling is is the business but mm-hmm. the real joy of it is the people yeah and that's kind of what yeah. we wanted to, this podcast to do is to bring everybody uh let everybody meet everybody that mm-hmm. you may or right. may not meet you know and uh sure. and, yeah. and i think that's what we're going to accomplish and and so far it's it's uh it's been a great it's been a lot of fun for me and caleb anyway so yeah yeah. Kind of like an audio farm tour, yeah. get to tour all these other That's farms right. just over the over the telephone right. or whatever. Yeah, and, well, yeah. it's been been a lot of fun talking to you yeah. guys. It's been enjoyable. Yeah. So. Well, you want to? You got a website? You want to plug uh, plug your farm and how people can get a hold of well, you? Well, my website needs to be updated, <laughs> but it's uh, djsmithcatodens dot com and. Uh, I'm on Facebook, D and J Smith Katahdin. So, um, 
I haven't been real active on it real lately, but one of these days I'll get some more pictures and get some stuff up. But um, I'm always available, um, email, and of course I'm in the magazine, so you can find me <laughs> on the website for the Katahdins. And uh, um, I, I'm not near as computer good as you are, Robert, but uh, I, I, I do my best. So. Well, I can tell you, once your name goes up on KHSI's website, the phone and the messages and the emails, <laughs> they flow. <laughs> That's the one thing I may not miss is all the emails that I get. <laughs> yeah. Oh, because there gets, gets to be a lot of them. Sometimes, it's hard. sometimes it's, it's hard to it's keep enjoyable. up. You know? Yeah, it is hard to keep up sometimes. Yeah. I may have to switch over to my Gmail account because <laughs> it'll handle a lot more. <laughs> oh, but no, I'm more than willing to talk with anybody that would like to talk. So I appreciate you guys selecting me to do this. So. Well, yeah, thanks, thanks for giving us the time. It's it's been a lot of fun, and You're uh, we hope uh, hope everybody else enjoys it as much as we do. So yeah, definitely. Yep, we certainly do. So, yeah, I haven't got listened through all of them yet, but I, I will be. So I'm anxious to get into Mark's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you very thank much. You, yeah, thank, thank you. Bye-bye. Well, that was a really fun episode. I don't know about you, but Robert, but I learned a lot for sure. And it's always neat to hear from people with different systems. And, um, you know, it's such a different system than, than my system it's it's awesome to see how sheep fit into the industry as a whole yeah it's a it's really an attribute to the breed as far as adaptability you know because my system's probably an in-between hers and yours you know yeah and uh and and i love knowing how because i'm not a i'm not a 20-year veteran of the sheep world so it was very cool to learn about her history with uh the Western range use and, and the transition to other wool sheep and then into Katahdin. So that yeah. was, I love, love those stories. Yeah. So neat to hear so many different, I mean, different types of the sheep industry covered there. I mean, everything from, from hair sheep to, to Western range sheep and, and uh, you know, Columbia use kind of in between there in a production system. It's uh, certainly neat to hear all those different, um, different styles of sheep and how they've worked for, for her. I know, you know, hearing about her fall lambing system is, is pretty cool. Cause that's, that's something that not a lot of people are taking advantage of. And if you can use that and leverage that capability, it really does provide an extra market and uh, another season of the year that you can be marketing lambs. Hearing those practical steps was, was helpful because sometimes, you know, you just want to jump in trying a new thing and, don't know how to do it and so really appreciate jane talking about how she does that and how she gets it to work yeah it could save uh, save people years practicing and not succeeding until they luck up on something so uh, uh and like i said you know we're talking about uh getting to know everybody uh and knowing jane you know me and jane talk monthly on a on a conference call and have for four or five years now and, and i learned so much about her operation i had no idea you yeah. know and uh, so that i hope everybody takes away from these podcasts uh getting to know the individual 
uh, their background, uh, what they do, how they do it. Uh, we all do something so different uh, that uh, it's, it's great to, because to, I'm ready to, you know, I told you when we first started, we're going to hear things and I'm going to go, oh man, I need to change this. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm, you know, I'm on it. You know, I've, we've had Mark and, and Dave and Jane, there's three people and I've already probably took away at least two to three things that I'm wanting to try. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's so neat to hear from so many different systems and from so many different people that have experimented for so long. I mean, you can combine all of that years of experience. I mean, you figure just between the three of them we've had on, I mean, that's, that's probably oh, probably a hundred years <laughs> yeah, in, in the sheep industry at, at least. And, uh, you know, that, that amount of experience is just so awesome to be able to pick out little tips from that, something you, you couldn't do in a lifetime. And oh, so absolutely. Uh, yeah. That's awesome to hear from Jane. Well, everyone, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far and, and hopefully it's sparking some questions in your mind as you're thinking about your operations and thinking about what you can do to improve. Maybe you're new and, and thinking about how you can continue raising your sheep and, and things that you're learning and things you still have questions about. Send us an email, uh, podcast at sheepthings.com. We'll get those emails and uh, we'll be happy to answer your questions. And uh, after we get a few periodically, we'll actually do a podcast uh, with question and answer. And we'll answer your right on the podcast here so you can listen to our answers and and we're happy to answer any questions that we can. And hopefully this podcast is is generating those questions in your mind as you start thinking about it and come to this podcast ready to learn. And, and, uh, I know I'm always learning something new talking with these people, people that I've, I've known before people that I haven't, and you always learn something new. And so hopefully we can help answer your questions, but we can't answer your questions unless you send them to us. So again, that's podcast at cheapthings.com podcast at cheapthings.com email us your questions and we'll be happy to answer them uh, coming up here soon. Thanks for listening to the Sheep Things podcast. Stay connected to our website, Facebook page, or sign up to follow us on a podcast service to get updates. We want your feedback, so you can email us at podcast at sheepthings.com for suggestions or comments. Thank you and see you later.